Welcome in, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am your host, John Harris. We have got a jam-packed show. How about a little first-round draft pick, Titus Howard? Oh, yeah. Mark and I had a chance to catch up with him Friday, the day that he arrived after being drafted by the Texans. So we'll have a little Titus Howard for you. We will go in the lab, Drew Doherty and myself, and we will tell you the three X factors on this team in 2019. But we start the show with the voice of the Texans, Mark Vanderbilt. Mark, how are you doing? Johnny, I'm doing great. I've got a lot to say. So if, if you're not going to hit on some gut reaction stuff, I've got some for you. No, I've got some. I got gut reaction. Right. We're going to do gut reaction. We're also going to talk, uh, like we said, to Titus, and then we'll have Drew on the show later on. When do you not have something to say? And I don't mean that in a negative yeah, way, but true. it's kind of our job, right? Yeah. We've got to have things to say, like, at all times. I've been ac- accused of this in the Vander household. Too much to say. Too often. Too many times. My daughter, my, my son calls it filibustering. <laughs> I'm not really trying. Do you do this at home, too? Well, not, not, re- not this. Not this. I mean, I won't go into... Okay, Jack wants to talk about this, so I'll just talk about Titus Howard oh, for we have the next to do hour. A, we have to do a video series. John Harris at home. <laughs> it's pretty boring. It's just me sitting there with my little Apple TV clicker watching mm-hmm. 2020 running backs, which I'm already watching. I'm already watching 2020 running backs. You need help. It's going to be a good class. You need medical attention. I'm really excited about this class. So I, I am getting my, I'm getting my, uh, my stuff in order. So running backs today, I think I'm going to be looking at wide receivers tomorrow. And I'm just going to make my way through all the positions. Oh, Hopefully, by by the time we get to mini camp, I'll have my class of 2020 kind of rounding into the shape. The Harris 100 comes out in August. Well, if it has to, it definitely it definitely will do that. All right, Mark, it's time for a little gut reaction. All right, you know that I love me some over under mm-hmm. season record picks. From Vegas. Okay. And they have come out. Okay, great. So they've been revised they if have necessary. Been, they have been revised. The Based Westgate. On, you ever heard of the Westgate? Oh, Not it's one the of Westgate. Those. Yeah. So the Westgate wasted no time following the 2019 draft mm-hmm. with some over-under win totals for every single NFL team. Oh, I can't wait. I okay. haven't seen these. This All is right. good. Gut reaction to, we'll start with our Texans, over-under eight and a half. I mean, they put it in a very interesting spot, didn't they? Look, they I did. gotta go over eight and a half. I would think so. I gotta go over. I would. Is that wishful good. thinking? No, but I'll I can't. Tell you this. I can't put up with eight and eight, Johnny. Please, I can't do eight. And eight. No, no, I can't. I do gotta eight and eight do winning season at the very least. All right, you need a little context with this, though. Okay. Okay. So, gut reaction. You kind of had the same one I did. First of all, going over the eight and a half. That's actually the underdog. What do you mean? Going meaning that. There is more juice needed to – I'm sorry. There's less juice needed to go over. So, like, okay. if you go over, you could bet 100 and win 110. Okay. But if you go under, you'd have to bet 130 just to get 100 back. So, more people are expecting the Texans to go under. Yeah. Well, after all the negative publicity, and it's not like this tidal wave and it doesn't equal negative publicity in other areas of life and news – but it wasn't like the draft got rave reviews from the so-called experts. Mm-hmm. Did you see Ch- – it's Chad Reuter, right, from Did, NFL.com? Oh, yeah. He gave A's to everybody? Yeah. I wish he was one of my professors. Oh, my gosh. Where was he when I needed him? All you had to do was show up and get an A. Did you see two years ago came out? Yeah, people were posting that, that mega draft chart from all the grades yeah, two, yeah. three, four years ago. Maybe you did that. 
And, I didn't see it, no. and I was looking, and it was very interesting to see how highly graded a lot of these drafts were. Basically, oh, yeah. about 20 teams should have won the Super Bowl in the last three years, according to these experts. I mean, in all honesty, you have to treat it a lot like you would in a classroom, in that your top 20% are probably going to get A's, and then you've got a middle section, 60, 60 to 65%, kind of the B, B, low B, maybe even C-plus range, and then the last probably 20% probably Ds, and then maybe 5 to 10% Fs. Yeah. That's, that's the way it kind of is in a classroom. So here's some context. Gut reaction to this. The Indianapolis Colts. Over under 9.5. And, and on top of that, they are a distinct favorite to go over the 9.5. They're like daring you to go under. They're uh, a distinct favorite by Vegas to go over nine and a half victories. Well, I think you know Bill O'Brien says it's an eight and eight league. I think nine and seven is the mark of a pretty good team, right? Two games above five hundred. Well, Mark, if you lose one, you go eight and eight. I get it. I understand that, but it's right. so hard. It's hard to go eight and eight. People don't understand. It's hard to get. Never mind the losses. It's hard to get eight victories in this league. Yep. It's that difficult. I'm going to go under with them. It's funny, Johnny, because when these numbers came out initially, prior to I think it was prior to free agency, actually. Yeah. I remember saying the Texans are favored to win the AFC South because Sean Pendergast was talking about them. Yep. And the Texans were the only team. They were a half game ahead of the Colts in the over-under, right? Yep. Now they're clearly a game behind, according to this. Yep. So let's just go with it. I'll say the Colts go under. We'll go 9-7, and 9-7. If I'm gambling, I think it's the right way to go. Jacksonville is Eight, Tennessee is eight. See, this is weird because all right. So you have four AFC South teams. You're saying eight and a half, nine and a half, eight and eight. Well, it can't happen that way. Shouldn't it equal the total number of wins and losses? Well, oh no, it doesn't have to because they play teams outside of the division. But I bet if you measure the entire league, it doesn't match up. They're just putting out gambling numbers for you. Yeah, I'm going to say. The top under numbers. and under. I'm going to say it's going to be a difficult season. It's because people talked about and continue to how difficult the Texans' schedule is. It is tough. Yep. But the entire AFC South has to play the same, same schedule, schedule other than the Patriots. Yeah, the I won't teams, include yeah. the AFC North because, as we've pointed out, the Texans play the Ravens, but the Colts are playing the Pittsburgh Steelers in Pittsburgh, which to me is still a tougher game. I don't care what the records were last year. And the Titans get the Browns, right? Titans get the Browns, the Jags get the Bengals. All right, so, okay, but call that even, if you will. And the Texans and the Colts have to go to Kansas City and to the Superdome, yep. at least for the Titans and the Jags. They get those teams in their places. Yeah. So that's how I look at it. The highest numbers, if you will, New England's at 11. Yeah. And a heavy favorite at 11. Going over is a heavy favorite. New Orleans at 10.5, the Rams at 10.5. Also at nine, and the Kansas City Chiefs at ten and a half. The Chiefs are at nine and a half. The Eagles are at nine and a half. So those are your teams. Uh, I think that's well, that's everybody. You know the Patriots play in the putrid yeah. AFC East. Yeah. And well. before people out there listening complain, well, no, well, hang on a second, because the Bills. No, no, the no, AFC. East you're the will same get people who say the AFC South isn't that good. But look at the AFC East. It's Thinks, other than the greatest team in the history of civilization. Yeah. But the rest of the division has historically, in the Brady-Belichick era, 
been terrible. I know you've had some flashes, a couple of AFC Championship game appearances by the Jets, and the Bills went to the playoff two years ago, and the Dolphins every once in a while are halfway decent, but that's it, halfway decent. That's it, halfway decent. All right, number two, gut reaction. Dwayne Haskins will wear number seven for the Washington Redskins. Why is that a big deal? Because he apparently had to get the okay of Joe Theismann. What's your gut reaction? I think it's nice of Theismann to do it, and it's the right thing to do. I, I would have felt like it was wrong for Theismann to say no if Haskins really wanted to wear the number. You know how I feel about this. I don't think numbers should ever really be retired. Yeah. I think they should be shelved, but they should be permitted to come off the shelf with the appropriate permission. And in some cases, posthumously. I mean, I, obviously you can't do it that right, way, but right. maybe the family, the estate, whatever, somebody's going to get to approve uh, you know, a player that's passed away can give approval for a modern-day player to wear his number. There are only so many numbers to go around. What are we supposed to do, go triple digits yeah. eventually? Look at the uh, the Cowboys have a lot of retired numbers. I'll go in basketball. The Celtics, I think they have uh, 75 retired numbers. I mean, there's nothing left. Yeah, there's nothing left. They're all wearing 37, <laughs> but you're not supposed <laughs> like 92. to. <laughs> um, to that end, next year, what if the Texans draft the receiver and he wears number 80 in college? Do you approach Dre and he wants to wear 80? He better. See, here's the thing. Haskins is a first-round draft choice. It's not like he got drafted in round seven. Right, right. You know, all right. Right. Uh, Elway didn't didn't offer. I don't know if Keenum ever asked for seven. Right. Elway didn't offer it, right? I don't think so. Yeah, there's no way. Joe Theismann offered up Elway's like, you're Case Keenum. I'm not offering you seven. Now, I just love the fact that Joe Theismann was like, yeah, I gave him permission to wear number seven. Well, I know. People don't <laughs> I, like Joe Theismann, but I kind of like Joe Theismann. I'm okay with though. Joe. I mean, I'm fine with I've him. I've interviewed him several times. I think he's, uh, you know, he's always a good interview. Yeah, he's a he nice is. Guy. He is very much so. All right, number three. Gut reaction to this statement. The Texans will start both Titus Howard and Max Sharping week one against the Saints. I'm going to say. What's your gut reaction? I'm going to say no. But I'll say if they do start, two things have happened. One of two things, maybe both. I don't know. Injuries yep. have derailed Chantrell Henderson and or Matt Khalil. I'll throw Julian Davenport out of there. Right. Because I think that a healthy Titus Howard beats out Julian. But maybe not. Maybe right. that's motivation for Julian. Maybe Julian surprises us all. And, oh, my gosh, what a story. Absolutely. He upped his game and he's ready to go now because he's got playing time. And that usually helps you get better if you're a good athlete and you continue to improve and have that ethic. But anyway, I'll say it's either injuries or they've just shined so much. I think you can't keep them and I know like the Seth Payne Max Sharping promo ran seventy five times Tuesday on Sports Radio six ten. I heard it every half hour. Oh my gosh, can we change up those promos, Armin? Anyway, about how Sharping's a three year project and everything like yeah. that. But I in my Personal opinion, I think Sharpen can play sooner rather so than too. later. I think year one he could be a factor at I that think, position. I think so, too. Gut reaction to this. No change other than Jason Witten mm-hmm. to the Monday Night Football crew. Your gut reaction. That's official. It's official. Official as of today. No change. Witten going back to play for the Cowboys. Everything else saying the same. Joe Tess, play-by-play. Booger as the analyst. Lisa Salters. Everything's staying the same. And Booger is permitted to come into the broadcast booth yes, now. Yes, no more Boogermobile. I don't like it. I don't like it. You just don't like the the. No, I the like. Makeup. I do like Booger. Yeah. I do. That sounds funny to say. I do like Booger. I just think it needs something else in addition to. 
I think Monday Night Football is a three-man team. It's yeah. not a bad thing at all. Okay? That's happened many times yep. in history. The best crew they ever have is a three-man team. Exactly. Let's go there again. And a lot of people think the best crew in the history of basketball, by the way, was a three-man team with Dick Enberg, mm-hmm. Al McGuire, and was it oh, Billy, Billy Pack- Packer? Those college. three in they the were 70s. They were phenomenal. They were, were really, so really good. well thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it broke up. Packer went to CBS. The rest right. is history. But and a lot of people listening, what? That was a thing. Yes, it was. And a lot of people loved that. But anyway, uh, was Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, and who was Howard Cosell? How- no, 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 no. Al Michaels, Frank oh. Gifford, and who, who am I? Why am I forgetting Deardorf? this? It was Deardorf. Yeah, it was Deardorf. I liked Deardorf. I'm one of the few people, I guess. I don't know. I, I think a lot liked... of people had, had some issue with the fact that if the offensive lineman did something great in a game, Deardorf didn't shut up for the entire game about it. See Larry Allen chasing down a, a defensive back after an interception, and Deardorf went crazy about it. And he should have. Larry Allen catching him was amazing. But he went on for, like, that game and then others, and I think people were kind of like, ah. I like Deardorf's with Jim Branstetter with Michigan. I think it's I, – I like listening to them. On WJR, Blowtorch, yeah. out of the Motor City, 7.60 a.m. Listen, I think that – I think that you need a third guy, and it shouldn't be that difficult to find somebody who's decent. Tessator is a good play-by-play man. He's a little over the top for me. And power, that's, this is me saying this. <laughs> <laughs> Gut reaction, power rankings have come out post-draft from our buddy Elliot Harrison, NFL.com. Oh your gut reaction. So these aren't draft power rankings. These are these team are, power rankings. These are team power rankings. Post-draft. Post-draft. Mm-hmm. The number one team in the NFL, the Texans will see on Monday night, the New Orleans Saints. Your gut Ooh. reaction to that. And the Texans have dropped three spots and are now number 15 in the league. Your gut reaction. Uh, first of all, with the Saints, I could see it. I could see it because you could easily make the case they easily, not easily, but they could have, would have, should have won that game against the Rams. Now yep. they're in the Super Bowl. Maybe they win the Super Bowl, right. and this doesn't sound strange at all. Look at the Saints knocking at the door the last two years trying to get into the Super Bowl. So you commend them for that. Right. And I think that this is a good team. And you and I saw it up close and personal prior to Harvey, how they improved on defense. and. Yep. You know, you were noticing that right away in the preseason. I was saying, oh, you think so? Okay, great. I'll take your word for it. And clearly it happened. It's not like they're a world-beating defense, but they're a much better defense than, yep. they, have, than they have been in the past. So that's not a shocker. Texans dropping a 15. That would be out of the playoffs. Yep. Okay? Mm-hmm. you got to be top 12 to make the postseason. So I don't like that at all. They've dropped three spots, apparently. But yeah. For reference sake, the Titans are 14. The Jags are 19. And the Colts are 5. That's pretty high for the Colts. Well, considering where the Colts were in his post-draft rankings last year, you know where they were last year? Like 25th. 32. 32 post-draft. See, this is all based. five. But we didn't know if Luck could play. He was throwing a Nerf ball, all that stuff. Yeah, it was crazy. Mark, appreciate it. Thanks, Johnny. Mark's going to actually stick around for our interview with first-round draft pick Titus Howard next on Texans All Access. All right, let's jump right back into All Access with our interview. With Titus Howard. Draft night, there you are. What was your level of nervousness, excitement, watching pick-by-pick pick go by, and all of a sudden Houston comes up? What was that whole process like leading into that, Titus? Oh, yeah, I was very nervous, uh, anxious. Uh, the whole night, everybody eating, uh, having fun. I'm just sitting there on the couch just watching 
Uh, it's like, you want something to eat? I'm like, nah, I'm not hungry. <laughs> uh, so uh, the draft come on, I'm just watching pick by pick and um, start to realize that not many you know, offensive tackles have been picking have been picked. I'm just sitting here like, oh, man, I need some offensive tackles to be picked, you know, so I can, you know, get on, you know, get off the board. Got out with you, Jonah Williams, getting picked at 11 to the Bengals. Uh, then get out. The next pick, like, Chris Lindstrom, uh, guard in the Falcons. Mm-hmm. And uh, got up to uh, 22, the Eagles, traded up. And I saw him t- take Andre Dillard. And I'm like, oh, okay, Houston next. They taking a the tackle. I'm sitting there, me and my folks, me and my people just sitting there. I tell everyone to be quiet. We're just waiting for the piece. We're waiting for, like, the pick to come in. And then I look at my phone, and I see an 832 number that say Houston, Texas. And I look around. I answer the phone, and then my, like, my whole just, my heart just, you know, just dropped. And I just, it was just a feeling that, you know, you can't even explain, you know, something unimaginable. Obviously, there's a video of, of you that we put up, of your family and everybody going crazy, and the room is shaking. We also had the opportunity of going into the draft room, and we have, like, a minute video up online. Have you had a chance to see that and see what, what uh, the other side of it was like. I mean, obviously you were trying to listen, but did you see what kind of the other side was like and what Brian Gain had to say about you? Did you get a chance to see that? Yes, sir. I actually did see it. I saw it on uh, Facebook last night. Somebody tagged me in it. Yeah. What was that like seeing that? Is it still sort of surreal? I mean, I know you visited here because you and I ran each other at the, at the salad bar, but it's sort of <laughs> surreal to know that that was a visit. You were here for a brief time, but now you're here for your career. Just thinking about it, you know, it just feels like a dream. After it happened, I, I lay in the bed. I look at my uh, fiance. I'm like, hey. Please tell me I'm dreaming right now. <laughs> she was like, "No, nah, baby, it's real." And I was like, "Man, it's something I, I I dreamed of as a kid." And uh, just to watch that video last night and to hear all the things, the good things he had to say, you know, it just you know motivate me, you know, and it makes me want to come in and just work that extra hard, just work extra harder, and you know, just be the guy they drafted me to be. I feel like I'm going to do that and um, come in and work hard, you know, be a great teammate, uh, be a great player for this organization. I was part of an interview with your college coach, and he said that he once had a conversation with you about moving to tackle and that you had a chance to play in the NFL if you did that, but you were kind of hesitant to do it. What was that whole transition like for you? <laughs> yeah, that, that transition was actually pretty funny because uh, when I first got to college, I was a quarterback, and uh, I had that first conversation about a weekend. I was like, hey, Tyus, we uh, we thank you. We, you would be a great tight end. Um, we want to work you in a tight end, uh, and you can be a starter. You know, and uh, I took I took the bait. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I moved the tight end. I think it was like a transition they had already saw, and um, actually was uh, getting better at tight end day by day. Uh, red shirt in my freshman year, came back my soft my red shirt freshman year, and um, came back and they was like, all right, Titus, uh, you 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 rotate at tight end this year, and got like two or three games in. Uh, they was like, hey, we saw you blocking. Uh, you ever thought about playing offensive line? <laughs> I was like, uh, no, nah, I never thought about that. You know, played quarterback coach. I ain't no offensive lineman. And uh, he was like, man, the way you're blocking, you know, you look just like you look natural. And I was like, oh, thank you, coach, but uh, I'm a tight end now. Uh, working to be, you know, the best tight end I can be. And so uh, it came to that following week. Um, the backup right tackle got hurt. And uh, they had wanted me to be a backup. And so uh, I get to the meeting room. Uh, my tight end coach was like, which is my head coach now, uh, Coach uh, Ely. He said, hey, Ty, you and me with the offensive lineman for now on. And I looked at him, like, are you kidding me? So I get to the offensive line meeting room. They welcome me in, clapping, you know. You know, just make me feel at home. And uh, at first I really, uh, you know, wasn't you know, all in. 
And uh, until one day I got to practice, um, and I was doing one-on-one drills, and I was going against one of the starters, and uh, I beat him in a one-on-one drill, and it's like the best feeling I had ever had. It was it was a feeling of no other. No, it wasn't. It wasn't the type of feeling you get scoring touchdown, catching right. a pass. It was just something like you physically beat a guy one on one. It was you and him. You not depending on no one else to catch the ball, block for you. It's you and him. And I fell in love with that feeling. And um, that following that same week, um, one of the guys who was starting in front of me, um, he got hurt that game. And it was my opportunity to come in and play. So I had 89 on that game that I was going to go in at tight end because they didn't think I was going to play tackle. And first quarter of the game, they said, hey, Tyson, you got to switch jersey. They gave me number 58. And, uh, they and put it me stuck. In, and it stuck. And I was like, oh, they was like, hey, this is your chance. And I went in and made the most out of it. And uh, ended up being a four, starting the rest of that season. Then the next three seasons, I, I started those games too. Titus, one of the things I think is, is interesting, if you watch earlier in the year, you're playing right tackle. You watch later in the year, you're playing left tackle. You got a left-handed quarterback, so you're protecting his blind side. You got a right-handed quarterback, so you're protecting his blind side. Do you have a preference in how easy or not easy is it for you to go right hand, left hand, right side, left side? Some guys struggle with that. You seem to do handle it pretty well. What is it about left and right that you can handle it that well and just seamlessly move from one to the other? Um, it just come with, you know, just how I came up playing, you know, I played tight end, uh, so you, no matter what side you had, some plays you had lined up on left, some plays you had lined up on right, uh, came back to my basketball career, um, you know, you're jumping off your right leg, you left doing layups with your left hand, jumping off your left leg, doing with your right hand. I, I always did everything both ways. And, uh, when I first started playing offensive line, the offensive line coach said, hey, one of the best things for you, you know, being new to the position that I can teach you both sides at one time and it's going to help you out in the future. So I worked hard, you know, did a lot of extra work, you know, working on the right side. Then I had to come back and work on the left side. So that was extra reps. Um, so I got comfortable with both sides. And uh, this year um, I told my coach, say, hey, whichever side the quarterback uh, blind side, I said, I want to protect that side. And sometimes it happened in the middle of the game I had to switch. Uh, but I was okay with that, and um, my my background with playing quarterback actually helped me, you know, analyze playbooks and stuff faster. So when I was learning on the right side, coaching had to reteach it to me on the left side because I could just flip it in my head, yeah. and I know it. So that's uh, another thing that helped me out pretty too, pretty good. What are your expectations of what it's going to be like? Because you're about to get thrown into the fire with rookie minicamp and OTAs and everything like that coming up. You got to be really excited about that. But how do you see the first part of this going for you? Uh, I see it going pretty good. I'm just, you know, I'm not focusing really on expectations. I just know I come in and just do what I always been doing. You know what got me here. Uh, just go in, you know, work work my butt off. Uh, you know, be a great teammate. You know, uh, get you know talk to some vets. You know, learn from those guys. You know, pick their brain. You know, stuff that can help me out. And just you know, but just continue to be me. Uh, Cause being me what's got me here. You know. Uh, I just a tr- firm believer, you know, don't try to change who you are, you know, continue to be yourself and, you know, hard work, you know, takes you a long way, you know, praying, you know, praying, you know, trusting God, you know, puts you in no position that you can't handle. And I feel like that's going to take me a long way. Titus, I was at the Senior Bowl and I, I watched you go against Montez early on in one-on-ones. Like first day out of the box, you got to face that freakazoid. But what I thought was interesting was every day after that, you kept getting better. Every rep after that, you kept getting better better from what you were doing going against those guys 
how important was the senior bowl for you to step in and say, hey, I went to Alabama State, but I can handle any of these big guys that they put in front of me from all these big schools. How important was the senior bowl for you that week? It was very important because uh, the whole process of me being evaluated was, uh, you know, it was uh, shaded because of the competition sure. I went against. So um, that senior bowl uh, week, I went in with a, a chip on my shoulder to prove, hey, that um, no matter if I came to HBCU, Alabama State, I belong here. Uh, it's, it's a reason that I'm here. And uh, I worked my butt off to get here, so I'm I'm, I'm going to do what I had to do, you know, to um, prove that. And um, that first day uh, I came out, I said, hey, that's the first day. Next day I want to be better than I was that day. So I uh, talked to the offensive line coach. He helped me out with a little stuff that I could fix for the next day. Came out the next day and had a pretty good day. And I uh, got to the next day. I talked to the offensive line coach, you know, critiquing me on stuff I can learn that can help me for the next day. I tried to focus on a different thing. Each day, not try to work on multiple things each day. Uh, so he critiqued me. Um, came in, got in the third day and had a, a real good day, you know, just pancaking guys. And it just that just lit a fire in me and motivated me. So when I got to the game, uh, it was it was it, like I already had played the game through practice. And uh, I just remember getting out on the goal line. Uh, I'm talking to a guy named Drew. Uh, he was right guard from Oklahoma. Drew Samuel, yeah. Um, and uh, they called up the run to our side, and I, I said, hey, they called it outside for a reason because we've been showing them all week if they run the ball to our side, we're going to score. And I'm going against one of the guys, and I drive them like five yards into the end zone. We score first drive of the game. And, you know, just you know, just to be in that moment, it was it was so special, uh, something I would never forget. And I got back to the sideline just to see the look in the eyes that the offensive line coach gave me on that play. It just, you know, it just just – you know, it was the best feeling ever. And I, I love, you know, feeling like that. So I try to put the best plays I can on film to always, you know, you know, prove that I belong, uh, to have that feeling, you know, and, and most of all, just to have fun. I love the game. So uh, I try to have as much fun I can with it. Can't wait for that man to get started here in Houston next weekend at Rookie Minicamp Titus Howard. All right, let's go in the lab and discuss our three X factors with Drew Doherty next right here in Texas All Access. One final segment of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris. Glad to be in the Catbird seat since the draft is over. Kind of take a step back, be able to breathe just slightly, and then back to work on the class of 2020. Yes, I've already started work on it. I mentioned the running backs class. and I'm doing a little bit more work on them, and I'll be moving through all their positions. So hopefully by the end of this month, I'll have a pretty good idea of who we need to keep on the radar screen for 2020 as we get ready to, well, we get ready for the 2020 draft. That's kind of how, in one, I live in different worlds, but in one world, that's kind of how it looks. It just kind of, eh, don't worry about the season too much, just worry about the draft 2020. But then, of course, we've got a tremendous season ahead, as Mark and I talked about earlier, some of the things going on. It's time now to jump in the lab as an opportunity for Drew Doherty and I to geek out each and every Tuesday. This case ended up being Wednesday because I was out yesterday. So we get a chance to kind of geek out and talk about various things. And on this episode, we geeked out over X-Factors for the 2019 season. All right, X-Factors. Let's let's not worry about rookies, draft picks. Let's worry about guys who are on this team, on this roster right now. Guys who are going to... I don't know, not make a leap, but make a jump of some sort, make an impact in 2019 that we didn't see 
in 2018. Or they might have made an impact in 2018, but they're going to make a huge impact in mm-hmm. 2019. Who's the next factor for you, number one? Number one, Dylan Cole. Okay. Dylan Cole to me as I think about Dylan Cole, there's there's a story in the first game against the Patriots, and I, can, I, I noticed something during that game, and I was blown away. He's a second-year guy. Mm-hmm. And I saw him essentially knowing what the play was, like before the ball was snapped. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you hear so much about Tom Brady and how great Tom is, and I'm like, how did a second-year guy figure out what the heck was going on? And, I, I mean, I could – so I asked him about it the next day, and he kind of just looked at me and smiled. And he was like, you saw that? I was like, yeah, I saw it. I mean, every, I, yeah, I saw it. And uh, he kind of smiled at me, and he wouldn't go into details, and, and I don't blame him, but it was just the intelligence that he has on the field. And I, that's, that wasn't the first time I saw that. I saw him do that against the Chiefs in uh, the Sunday night game. I think it was the Sunday night game. I think it was a Sunday night game. A year ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because he got hurt in the Cleveland game the next week. So in that, in that Kansas City game, I saw him do the same thing. He was playing on the left side, and the Chiefs were running that, they were running that way, and they were running sort of a jet sweep, and he saw the motion. As soon as he saw the motion, he started to widen out, and he just ran to a spot because he knew where the ball was going. He ran right to that spot, made the tackle, and I was like, man, this guy's – really football smart. I mean, it, it, just intelligent overall, but, mm-hmm. man, his football IQ is really off the charts. I know it's tough because we've got Zach Cunningham and we've got Bernard McKinney, and I think that Zach, had Zach stayed healthy, Zach should have been in consideration for a Pro Bowl bid. So you're talking about two guys that potentially could be Pro Bowlers. But the Texans' personnel, and I know everybody told, well, the Texans are a 3-4, they're this, you know, they, they run a 3-4, they've always been a 3-4 in Iraq. They're almost in a four-man line I mean, probably more often than 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 not. Mm-hmm. I tend to think about getting Dylan Cole in the field a whole heck of a lot more, and I wouldn't be surprised at all if the Texans played more four three. I mean, a true four three where Dylan Cole's on the field was at Cunningham and Bernardrick McKinney, and and Dylan ends up being your will linebacker in that sense. He played this later in the year after missing the first part of the year. Well, check it out. He played eight games. Right. And he missed all of October and all right. of November. So he right. played in He for, played in the first, first two. First three he played in them. Because um, he got hurt in – Against the Giants. The Giants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he didn't play again until the Cleveland game, right. which was December 2nd. Right. And so he had very limited time. And I think he's the kind of guy that once he gets comfortable out in the field, he's going to be able to do a lot as far as covering running backs. And I thought he had a heck of a camp last year. Well, I want to talk about that. Because I think he's got a chance. Listen, during August, everything you're saying right now, mm-hmm. that was essentially what – he didn't say this because he'll never say this, but that's you could tell he was thinking this, Bill O'Brien. Because we do those production meetings before a preseason game since I do the sidelines on TV. Yeah, yeah. It's me, it's Spencer Tillman, Kevin Kugler. Uh, and then they'll bring in O'Brien and a few players. And right. they, they brought in O'Brien before the Rams game, the third preseason game, and he was like, Cole, Cole had played a little bit before that, but he was he had like a nagging hip or something. So he he told us, he's like, yeah, I, I told Dylan, we're not going to play you. Why would we play you right now? You're going to be, you're one of our best players. And that's when you have to kind of take away, and I've said this a few times this offseason, that's when you kind of have to take away that idea of, He's one of the best players that's undrafted. No, 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 no. The He's Texans the view players. him as one of their best players on defense. Yep. And he was 
he was going to get his chance last year, but then he got injured. So, like we said, the first three games of the season, and then he was out until week 12, or week 13, really, when they played their 12th game of the year. So that's a good choice. I like I like the Dylan Cole as the X Factor because they thought and think very, very highly of this guy. Yeah, I, and I think he's got a, I think he's got a tremendous future in front of him, and I just want to see him be on the field for 16 games and play a full season because he was dinged up in the first year. Then obviously last year, it's unfortunate again what happened to him. But mm-hmm. he to me is a guy that needs to be on the field. And one of the things about him, I it was the. Uh, Thursday night game against Miami. And in that game, Zach had hurt his knee. And so it, it was Bernardrick and Josh Kyes had to play. Brian yeah. Peters was out as well. So Kyes had to go in and play a bunch in that game. They eventually put Peter Kalambayi in it and inside linebacker as well. And so on the sideline, there's Dylan like talking with Kyes. Like, and you can see he's coaching yeah. him on the sidelines. And I just thought that was really, really cool the Second way that Dylan player. was kind of passing it on down or passing it over to Josh Kyes uh, the way that he was. So I, I just I would rather not see him in warm-up suit on the sidelines. I want to see him in, in ball games this year. I think he's a definite X factor. Dynamic, dynamic player. Okay, that's one. We're going to get three. Who's your second? My second is Martinez Rankin. Okay, that's a natural. Yeah, and I, I've said that a few times because – I think he's got to have one of the five positions on the offensive line. Look, and you're thinking since, it's left guard, right? I mean, I, I think it's he's going to challenge Sunil Kelamete. I think he's going to challenge Sunil. Then uh, I think you know it's funny. I had some conversations with people from throughout the NFL, and I was at the Senior Bowl, and we we're talking about the you know Texans offensive line. And I remember a couple of people saying, "Hey, Zach's Zach's a pretty good player." I'm like, yeah, Zach's. A, I think Zach's a very good player, Zach Fulton. So I think Martinez has got to have one of those. So I think he's he's going to challenge Sunil. And look. If Martinez beats him out, great. If Sunil beats him out, great. But I feel like when you draft a guy in the third round, you've got to start seeing returns, especially in year two. You'd like to have in year one, like Justin Reed, but if not, you've got to start seeing the returns and, in year two. And let's remind people, Rankin had awful luck last year because he comes here for rookie minicamp and the second day of rookie minicamp, yeah. he's done. Yeah. I mean, he did not play. He had an injury. Did not get to play any of rookie camp, minicamp, any of OTAs, and you know the veteran minicamp. Didn't do much during training camp until about the third week. I don't think, Drew, that he wore pads. Yeah, and then they threw him out there against the Rams, Rams. and he played three. three different spots and on that the was, line. It was like on-the-job training. Yeah. I mean, literally on-the-job training. Like, you've never done this before. I mean, it sort of would be like, and I, and I thought about this, it would sort of be like, okay, uh, one of us, okay, you're going on, you're going on TV tomorrow. You've been here. And we've done all this, you know, on paperwork, but you're going on TV tomorrow. Get ready. Like, oh, uh, okay. Well, I'd be fine, baby. I mean, I know you would. I know you would. But, <laughs> but, wait, know, but well, what are we but talking with about? reps, though. <laughs> what are we talking about? What would we be talking about if it's talking about something Hosting else? extra points. Yeah, I'd be fine. I mean, you'd I'd be. Kill, I'd slay that. Yeah. So, so come up with a different example. <laughs> but the very first time you hosted extra points. I'm joking. I know. Yeah, yeah. I look like a boob. Yeah, every time you. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that, but. Oh, I. But no, I, I'm I just saying, like. If you think about what you do for a living, and it doesn't have to be, it doesn't just have to be the you no. know, TV or whatever. Dude, you us. and I speak at countless career days during the year. Yeah. I tell the story in just about every single one. First time I went on air back in 2004, I mean, I looked like a boob. You know, I was, I talked a lot slower. I didn't yeah. have, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. Yeah. There's, there is, it's not rocket science, believe me. I'm not saying my job is hard, but with reps, you get better at yeah. what you do. Exactly. And, and I, it's, then, I, cringe at the first time 
I was when I look at the first time I was on TV, I was just like, Ugh. yeah, me too. When I so, was yeah, the first I, time on the radio, it was kind of the same thing. It was like, yeah. oh, because I was it's definitely looking myself. So it's it it is. So I think Martinez has got to. And when I think about the offensive line, when you think about the addition, I, I think of Sean Trell still is an addition addition because he was he was with us, but wasn't 18. So you've added and resigned Chantrell Henderson. You've drafted two tackles of Max Sharping and uh, Titus Howard. Uh-huh. You've added Matt Khalil to your group. You've got to think that Julian Davenport is going to take strides this year. So <clears throat> there is going to be competition on the offensive line, but I think that's what you've wanted to have. Mm-hmm. And Martinez Rankin has got to, A, be in that competition, and B, I think he's got to – He's got to show dividends this year by going and getting a starting job and then taking those strides that you would expect a year one to year two player to make. And I remember that Philadelphia game, he had to play for Sneal at left guard, and I just remember thinking, we're facing Fletcher Cox. This is going to get ugly. Yeah. And it really didn't. Yeah. It really didn't. I mean, Martinez held his own against Fletcher. I was really – I don't want to say I was surprised because Fletcher on that Monday night prior against the Rams, Fletcher put on a show – and there were times I'm watching Rankin against Cox one-on-one, like, during the game. I could, I'm watching right through that battle. I'm like, yeah, Martinez is holding up pretty well. Then I would watch the replay to make sure. I was like, he th- look at that. That's pretty good. Like, he was holding up. It wasn't perfect. Yeah. But I think the nuances of false starts, cadences, like, understanding that stuff, I think that comes a little bit better in your second year. And if Martinez can make those strides and feel more comfortable and get some some – some confidence. I think he's going to end up being a really good X factor and a pretty important guy for us. I like it. I'm with you. I think uh, he's going to make his bones there at left guard. Drafted as a, or drafted, you know, coming out of Mississippi State, he played left tackle. Right. But uh, yeah, I think I think based on what he said in those August preseason meetings that when we talked to them last year, it's a little easier for him playing guard because yep. of being in the phone booths, so to speak. You Absolutely. Don't have to block as much of a space. So. I'm cool with that. Okay, so Dylan Cole was your first one. Martinez Rankin, your second X-Factor. Who is Mr. X number three, John? Tashawn Gibson. All right. A signee from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And this is where, when I, I mentioned Leonard Fournette, this is how the drafting of Leonard Fournette ended up making Tashawn Gibson a Texan. I mean, you're like, wait a second. How did that? Go? Well, because you didn't draft Leonard Fournette, you passed on to Sean Watson and Patrick Mahomes, both of whom still on rookie contracts. Because Blake Bortles flamed out and you didn't draft one of those two and you couldn't hand the ball oh, to them. Oh, I see where you're going. You see where I'm going here. They had to go out and pay a lot of money to Nick Foles because yeah. they had to pay a lot of money to Nick Foles. They had to look at the roster and say, well, we've got to get rid of some guys that are making some money. So they got rid of Malik Jackson. They got rid of Tashawn Gibson. And Tashawn Gibson then goes on the free market. He ends up being a Houston Texan. I think he's huge for this team, Drew, because Justin Reed, if Justin Reed makes a year one to year two jump, Gulp. you're talking about an all-pro Yeah, because he was tremendous as a rookie. But with no Dre Howe, with no Tyron Matthew, Tashawn Gibson is a huge piece on this defense. But I think he helps solve. I don't know that you can solve it all the way. It's got to be a team concept when you're slowing down really good tight ends. Well, and this is what he prides himself on. We Absolutely. heard him saying that his first press conference yeah. after after uh, offseason yeah. conditioning started. Stopping tight ends. I yeah. mean, you look at what what he does what he does against tight ends. Now we won't face one of them this year in Rob Gronkowski, but we do face Travis Kelsey. We well, will. That's if that's under the assumption that 
Gronkowski doesn't unretire. I, well, I see playing in December. <laughs> playing in December, that's what I that's what I said yeah. right away was I'll I'll believe it when I see it. But that said, you've got Deshaun Gibson who did cover Rob Gronkowski last year and did a great job mm-hmm. on him in week two. Now, Gronk missed the second half of the AFC championship game, but Gronk in the AFC championship game that half and then that game, I think he had a total of three catches. And Gibson was responsible for him a decent majority of the time. So that's that's going to help you when you face Eric Ebron of the Colts. Travis Kelsey. You face Travis Kelsey with the Kansas City Chiefs. When you face those top-notch tight ends, Hunter Henry with the L.A. Chargers now that he's going to be back healthy, you've got a guy that can do that. And when you think about what receivers pass or pass catchers had great years mm-hmm. against the Texans or great games against the Texans last year, Zach Ertz went crazy. Travis Kelsey, uh, ha- or not Travis Kelsey, uh, Rob Gronkowski had a tremendous game. Mm-hmm. And then, um, who's the third one I was thinking of had a great game? Oh, and, uh, oh, I mentioned Ebron. Um, there's one I'm missing in that. Oh, Ertz? I'm missing one that I that I had. Well, it felt like Gronk, all, it felt Ertz. Like, it felt oh, like all Gronk, th- Ertz, and Ebron. I was going to say, three. it felt like all three of the Eagles tight ends just really hurt you so badly. Yeah. I yeah. mean. There's no doubt. Especially on that very f- Rewind that very first drive. They what threw hurts almost every every play in that drive. It felt wasn't like. it a thirty-six play drive? Or it, so, felt you know, like it. it felt like a an they endless got a fourth drive. down. It felt like they had like six fourth downs. They completed every. You know, it was, just, yeah. it was Ertz, Ebron, and Gronk. Those three. If you go back and look at the numbers of those three, they hurt us and hurt us pretty badly. Yeah. So having a guy in Gibson, and you'll face Ebron again. You won't face Ertz, thank God. But you're going to face some. You're going to you're going to face. Now, right now, Greg Olson is still a Panther. We'll see if that that remains. So, you're going to face some pretty salty tight ends throughout this this season as well. So, get used to it. Sean Gibson covering a tight end. I think that's going to be huge, taking that aspect away from these quarterbacks they're going to face. If you can slow down the Chargers by slowing down Hunter Henry and Antonio Gates, if Antonio is still playing at that point, that, that's going to take away from Phillip Rivers a little bit. Um, you know, Ebron with the Colts. If you can take that part away, obviously the Colts added weapons yeah. with Devin Funches and Paris Campbell. But if you can take Ebron away, take away Jack Doyle, and eliminate their impact, that's going to put you in a really good position. Yeah, to you take away dimensions of that offense. Absolutely. Totally. So you that's something you have to do. So I think Deshaun Gibson being able to do that on a consistent basis is my X factor number three. There you have it, folks. Texas All Access in the books. Big thanks to Mark, to Drew, and, of course, to first-round draft pick Titus Howard. Appreciate you guys listening. Thank you so much, as always, and we will see you tomorrow. As always, go Texans.